this is just a second. I just I need to look something up. Oh no, my. Is it a is it a water pun? No, I promise it'll be good. Maybe. <sighs> I just need to look up. All right, everybody. It's time to gather up your tangerines and set sail, because I'm swayed. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm Chris. <laughs> and this is Deep Anime Dive. Episode two. <laughs> so I had to look up what, what Nami's favorite fruit is. That's why. Sorry. Oh, you could have just asked me. Why didn't you just ask me? That would have spoiled the surprise. <laughs> oh my gosh. I thought it was Tangerine, but I was like, I can't remember because they say Mekon, I think, in the show. I wish I could say I was surprised, but more disappointed. They're low effort and maximum cringe. Yes, just like everything that you say. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we uh, start off with some topical news before we get into the, the episode today, Chris? Yeah, sure. I have a few uh, uh, things that... I found that were interesting. All right. What's been going on with you this week? One uh, story that I found, uh, well, that I'm really excited for, is that Dr. Stone Season 2 is going to be in January. Oh, cool. Did that... Oh, sorry. Did that get delayed, or is that... I think it did get delayed, but okay. uh, they never really announced a date, but I think it did. Oh, okay. And Crunchyroll already got the rights for it, which is cool. Nice. So they will have that and uh, be their Stone Wars arc. And I'm really excited for that. First season I really enjoyed. Yeah, it, it was decent. I uh, I need to finish watching it. It's, it, it, it's a good watch. It's a good watch. A lot of cool characters. Um main character senku is probably the best i mean he's he's pretty good i still like uh what's his name taiju or no what's oh, yeah. the yeah taiju yeah. taiju he, he's the best in my opinion but whenever him and uh senku he just his name senku yeah whenever they interact it's the best senku senku what <laughs> i i know senku. words I did say something <laughs> that's not correct at all. <laughs> all right, so there was that story um, that I found interesting. And then um, another one, uh, it also ties in about what I've been doing this week, is The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumi is getting a new novel. Oh, really? I it I thought it finished. Or yeah, they, it they're, they're putting, the guy's putting out a new novel for it. Wow, that's what was this like ten years since the last one? And nine years actually. Okay, so it's still been a while though. Yeah. And that is when I last watched the series too. Oh man. I started rewatching the series uh yesterday. Okay. And I finished um season one and two today. Holy crap. In my game, I'm doing something really boring, so I've just been watching Haruhi in the background. 
And I gotta say, I really have missed this show. Yeah. I forgot how well it holds up. Especially coming from, like, when I was telling you earlier about Dempa Kyoshi. Oh, yeah. That show, um, for those of you who, uh, who don't know, it has, in my opinion, it has really bad animation. And, like, that's a recent anime in the last five years, I believe. And then looking at it compared to Haruhi, which was 2009, 2008, or something like that. Oh, really? It's been that long? Actually, wait, wait. First season premiered in 2006. So, 2006. Oh, no. My gray hair. <laughs> I know. And uh, that 2006 show looks 10 times better than the, that one. It's probably because it's uh, Kyoto Animation. But, man, it still holds up. It is really good. And each episode's really fun. And I look forward to rewatching the movie soon as well. So nice. That's cool. I'm really hoping that this new novel like brings in more um, uh, novel sales so that they will adapt the next portion of uh, Suzumi books because they kind of like gave up after the disappearance and then um, all the other books were not even touched. Hmm. And I've read uh, a couple of them, and there's some really interesting stories in uh, some of those. I really hope it catches Kyoto Animation's eye again, and then they bring it back. Kind of like what they did for, uh, well, Kyoto Animation didn't do it, but uh, kind of like the same uh, treatment that Index and Railgun have gotten. I, I hope that they uh, bring back Haruhi as well. That would That would be cool. And then the other news ties in with our uh, ties in for what we're talking about today, which is One Piece. Ah, uh, yes, indeed it is. Um, the news headline states that Oda is planning to end the manga in four to five years. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, that's it's getting there. That's crazy to think about. It's going to be the end of an era. Yeah, it's. It's crazy. It's I, I I really need to get caught up with it. I think that might be my next uh my next uh thing. Is that to catch up on? Uh, what about you? Have you thought about? Have, do you have any uh, news you want to share? Uh, yes, I don't have any news this week. I don't think. Okay. All right. Sounds good. And then you said so. This week you've been watching. You watched Haruhi, you said? Yeah, I watched Haruhi. I watched the four episodes of Denpo Kyoshi before I dropped it. Um, I also been like dipping my toes into Zari Goto. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. I don't think so, no. It's by Nishi Ocean, Monogatari series creator. Okay. I'm not sure if it was made before Monogatari. I think it was, but I've seen three episodes of it so far, three of the eight, and it's it's pretty good. Hmm. Cool. That's about it. I'll have more to say on it when I finish it. Yeah, fair enough. What about you? Uh, this week I've been watching a couple of things. 
I binge watched the entirety of the uh, Ghost Stories dub over the weekend. This was a rewatch uh, for like the fifth or sixth time. So, what one's that that about? Like the short synopsis of that? Yeah. So, for anyone who doesn't know, this has kind of like become an infamous kind of cult anime. Basically, Ghost Stories was about a group of elementary school students who find a journal detailing um, the exploits of like a previous student who had like captured a bunch of ghosts. And in the process of finding the journal, they accidentally uh, like unleash all of the ghosts in the school again. And so the whole series is about them like recapturing all the ghosts. And it's kind of like a Monster of the Week slash Yokai kind of a series. Um, it didn't do very well. And so when uh, it was licensed for America, the Japanese company, I think it was uh, Piro, Piro Studio that made it. They licensed it to ADV Films and basically said they could do whatever they wanted with it. And so they re-scripted it from being a uh, supernatural horror uh, children's show to being like an R-rated comedy etchy kind of show. Hmm. It's it's bizarre. At this point, I've watched this like the uh, the subtitled version, like the original Japanese and the dub, and they're entirely different shows. All I did was like they changed the uh, what the characters were saying. So you prefer the uh, dub then? The dub is infinitely more entertaining i i personally i still like the sub but i also i really like ghost shows like i have a soft spot for like yokai and ghosts so even a boring ghost show is still pretty good in my book yeah so that's why i rewatched a lot i watch it both ways like maybe once a year or something wow that's not good i guess it, it's it's kind of just like a weird tradition like every now and then it's kind of like i'll i'll crave it I'm just like, oh man, I need to experience that again just to remind myself that happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know that feeling sometimes with like different shows. It's definitely not something that it's for everybody. It's a really, it, it's just so surreal. Like, I don't think anything's ever happened like that. Like, even four kids never went so crazy with their adaptations. Yeah. Do do you uh? Do have you ever seen the Sergeant Frog dub? I haven't. The Sergeant Frog dub did something similar. Oh really? Uh, Sergeant Frog was like this, like kind of like kids ish show. Uh, Funimation when they dubbed it, they added in and changed a lot of the the dubs, the the script. I mean. Hmm. And they added in a bunch of like pop culture references and made it a whole lot more funnier than the Japanese version. Huh, interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of people like alluded it to like it was similar to like South Park or like similar to The Simpsons or similar to uh, Invader Zim or something like that. Where it just had like huh. interesting and like. Uh, really funny jokes and stuff like that. That's cool. So yeah, I, I know what you're talking about with like the dub kind of like changing a bit from the main thing. Yeah, it's 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 definitely rare. Uh, I think it can work. You know, that extra effort to like kind of localize it to make it more relevant to wherever it's being translated to can work depending on the show. I think. Agreed. Agreed. So that was the that was one I watched. And then just real quickly, the other one. I started watching this week. I found out 
uh, through the click of random on Crunchyroll. Oh boy, the notorious click of random. Which is an exciting way to spend your Saturday nights, folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I found um, there's a Wizard of Oz anime. What? Yeah, made back in the late 80s. And it's super well done. It's fantastic, actually. I've been watching that, too. Like, I watched the first episode as a joke, but, like, I'm, like, seven episodes in now. Wow. That's... Like, I mean, it's definitely, like, you can you can tell it was made for kids. Like, it's, it's kind of written towards the younger audience. Yeah. But, like, the animation is, like, really interesting. Like, they, instead of being, like, a typical, like, anime style, they intentionally kind of animated it more like American cartoons to kind of fit with it being like an American fairy tale. Future Boy Conan levels or something like that. Remember that? Yeah, thing? kind of. Yeah, it's it's been it's been really interesting to watch. I like it. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I've, I've never seen uh, Wizard of Oz, and I I keep telling uh, people have keep hearing people tell tell me that I need to watch it. So maybe one of these days I will. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a classic. I mean, I think and I was looking on the Wikipedia. It's like it's like it's the first homegrown American fairy tale. Because it's like you're in like 1900. It's an old story. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, I don't know if it's the first. I mean, it, it's probably the most famous American story. Because I mean, holy cow, that movie has been seen all over the it planet. It has. It really has. Well, uh, do we want to get into our first uh, uh, deep anime dive topic? Yeah, I guess so. It's appropriate that we started off with such an obscure anime. Yes, so obscure. To enlighten people. <laughs> enlighten people on <laughs> one that not very many people know about at all yeah tragic really it's it's this show called uh one piece maybe it rings a bell for you a couple bells um just so um people that uh that know that are listening right now uh we'll be talking about up to skypea um so we'll be have doing heavily spoilers on a lot of uh one piece and um i believe skypea is up to like episode 200 something is that correct? yeah it's like 200 and it's like 210 or something like ish yeah it's it's like the first three major arcs we're going to go over basically yeah, yeah at least according to how crunchyroll divides it so so uh if you're if you're wanting to watch uh one piece which i would highly recommend you do um even though it is a time commitment right now it's a great show to get into oh yeah for sure i haven't i have not personally watched much farther than skypea at this point like i'm just barely into water seven and this is easily like in my top top 10 probably in terms of just like enjoyment for watching yeah uh, it's just a blast it really is. I mean, do we need to give a plot plot summary? Do do people not know what this is about? Or I would give a I would give a quick little summary of kind of like the basic plot. Sure. Uh, do you want to, or should I? Um, you can do it since you're re- you've been recently watching it. Uh, okay, sure. All right. So, uh, just to summarize quickly. One Piece uh, follows uh, the main character, Monkey D. Luffy, as he journeys to become the Pirate King. And along the way, he uh, 
he gathers uh, companions to join his his pirate crew, the Straw Hat Pirates. And uh, even though they're pirates, they don't do that much. There's like good pirates, and then there's bad pirates. That's how I I would kind of like yeah describe it as. They're like the ones that want to adventure and get like. They're like seeking freedom, basically. Seeking freedom, yeah. And uh, then they're the ones that kind of like take it too far. Yeah. I'd say. And are more with the outlaw side of it. Right. And so, yeah, a lot of the show is them adventuring to either different islands and encountering all sorts of like different civilizations or different peoples. Um, They encounter like other pirate crews. They encounter uh, really strange countries, cities. It's a wide variety. Yeah, it's just basically just a giant adventure show. Yeah. Of a group of people exploring the world. And it's so much fun. It really is. It really is. I, I really enjoy the world building that Oda presents throughout the uh, series. He has a real knack for describing things and uh, making everything. It's it's incredible, really. I mean, what, what I love about what he does is that with a lot of like these fantasy type shows, like they'll have these like crazy, like kind of weirdly magical things and they're just there. You just have to accept that's the way it is. But with Oda, he always goes out of his way to explain why it works that way. Yes. If there's like a civilization that has like this like really like weird just like thing they do, it's not weird just to be funny. It's like there's like a history to it. There's a culture to it. There's like even like a science or like geography reason to it. He he like really like he thinks about every little thing and even if it doesn't get explained for like hundreds of episodes there's always a reason for everything like it's never yeah. just like a random throwaway like like uh for example when uh they um and skypia skypia is a very rich and different culture than the uh, ground uh than what's on the ground Right. And like they bring up right at the very beginning about the the shells and stuff about how they do different things, how their society yes. is kind of like made around these um, shells. Yeah. They have like these like different properties to them. Yeah. And, like... and, uh, it, and then throughout the story, they uh they like use those all the time and uh it's a very alluded to everywhere and and even after that arc um they still use um stuff from there yeah because like they they bring a bunch of shells with them and then for the rest of the show they just they have these shells yeah you know they have them but like nobody else on the on the ground level has them because you can only get them in skypea yeah so it's it's really fascinating you can tell that oda has been planning this series for years 
Yes, for sure. Um, if we're if we were to like start talking about the history of it, uh, from what little I know is that I know that he had the entire story planned out from the very beginning, or at least most of it from the very beginning. Yeah, he he for sure had the major arcs and the uh, the end. He's always had the same end in mind, apparently. Yeah. And it's just, it's taken a while to tell because he keeps realizing that there's more he wants to tell. Yes. Because he can, he keeps, he wants to keep elaborating on these different islands and these different, like, stories he planned. Like, he wants to flesh them out as best he can. And, I mean, holy cow, he's doing that. <laughs> he really is. Um, a few examples that it feels like he did that on was... Uh... Yeah, Skypea felt like that. Um, yeah. Was just like this extra like thing that he he probably like got in his mind after Alabasta. I was like, oh, this would be really interesting. But then it, he like made like the Sky World or whatever, and was like, all right, this would be a nice little detour. All right, it's really cool. I guess probably before we get too far ahead of ourselves, though, kind of want to just quickly talk about. Um, Oda's inspirations for One Piece because I thought this was really fascinating. Okay. I did kind of a rabbit hole dive and found a whole bunch of unfun stuff, but I think this... I imagine we're going to do several One Piece episodes over the course of this podcast. So I'll save some of the goodies for later, but I thought this was really interesting for what inspired him to start One Piece. There were essentially three, three major inspirations for him. Uh, the first one was as a kid, he watched, there was a, an anime called Vicky the Viking that I guess inspired him to get into like drawing and making his own manga. Wow. Um, I didn't even know. Yeah. And I actually, I had to look up Vicky the Viking cause I had never heard of it, but it was a show from like the mid seventies and it, it ran for a couple of years. Apparently like it was, it was pretty popular at the time. But it's essentially about a little, about a little like ten-year-old kid, who is a Viking, and he goes on he goes like on uh, Viking adventures with his family, and it's like a very light-hearted kind of adventure show. Okay. There's kind of like some pretty clear lines you could draw there in terms of, you know, inspiration that way. Yeah, that sounds very heavily inspired. And then the next thing that uh, was a source of inspiration to him was the manga uh, Dragon Ball. And I guess later the anime, Dragon Ball. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think every uh, every mangaka from like the last like 30 years has been inspired by Dragon Ball because, I mean, jeezum. Yeah. It's Dragon Ball. Yeah, a lot of the, uh, the current shonen manga have like, there's always things that Dragon Ball have put out there that uh, they've emulated and... Uh, um, it really like laid the landscape for shonen manga today. Yeah, for sure. And I still have not seen uh, the original Dragon Ball series. Yeah, I haven't either, and I I've always wanted to. Yeah, I think I tried watching episode one at some point, and the animation is pretty pretty rough. At this yeah. point, like it hasn't it hasn't aged well. I still would like to do that sometime. And I think it has a lot of filler in it, doesn't it? Um, the original Dragon Ball? 
Yeah, the original. It might. I know it, it ran for quite a few episodes. And I personally have not seen all of uh, Dragon Ball Z either. I think one day I will watch it. I, I saw up to the Cell arc, and then that's about it. I didn't see anything after that. But that feels like a whole different beast to get into at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that could probably be several episodes of its own. So that's a legendary series. Holy yeah, it really is a legendary series. Right. But yeah, um, Oda, uh, it could, you could you could really tell by the on like some of the fight scenes that he uh, drew inspiration from Dragon Ball there. So there, there's one last inspiration that uh, Oda draws from, and I swear this is a coincidence. I didn't realize this until I researched this just last night. But his other major inspiration source was the Wizard of Oz. Okay. I don't see how that would be. <laughs> no, actually, here, because I, I was thinking about this, because this perplexed me, and I stayed up to like 2 in the morning because my brain doesn't shut up sometimes. But I, I figured it out. I connected all the pieces. So I guess if you've never seen the Wizard of Oz, you probably don't. I don't do you know like the general story? Or do you just like not know? much at all about it they're off to see the wizard the wonderful wizard of oz they are that that is in fact <laughs> long and short of it <laughs> right here so i'm gonna i'm gonna explain the wizard of oz to you and i want to see if you can maybe draw some parallels the wizard of oz once so i'll start with like once dorothy is in the land of oz she meets Oh, no, I don't know the exact details. I apologize. I believe it's the Good Witch of the South or perhaps the Good Witch of the North. I can't remember exactly. Okay. And so the Good Witch is supposed to be like, is kind of a, a metaphorical uh, parent figure. She gives Dorothy a pair of magic red slippers. With those slippers, she basically says that she'll be protected and able to, you know, achieve her dream, which is returning home. And then she directs her towards the Yellow Brick Road and tells her, and if she goes to the land of Oz and meets the wizard there, he'll be able to help her get home. And then along this yellow brick road, she meets all sorts of strange companions who join her on her quest, including the Scarecrow, the Tin Woodman, and the Cowardly Lion. And together, they overcome various dangers and obstacles on their journey. They uh, defeat the Wicked Witch of the West. Eventually, they meet the wizard. And each of them is granted the wish that they have. Like, because they each have, like, a dream that they're striving for. And that's the oh, reason okay. they joined Dorothy. It's the reason they joined Dorothy on their journey, on her journey. Because she wants to go home. The Scarecrow wants to have a brain. The Tin Woodman, or the Tin Woodsman wants a heart. And the Cowardly Lion wants courage. And then by meeting the wizard, they're able to achieve these things. Okay. The parallels would kind of be, like, the how each crew member has, like, a goal in mind. Right, there's because in One Piece, yeah, every every crewmate has a dream, a goal. They're like they're they have a treasure and they have a dream. Basically, they have something they want to protect and something they strive for. And that's essentially what the Wizard of Oz is. Yeah. But it's a little it's a little deeper than that because if you think about it, um, before, because uh, what does Luffy have that he gets from Shanks? He gets a hat. 
he gets an article of clothing from basically a parental figure before he starts his journey. And instead okay. of the yellow brick road, he follows the Grand Line. Okay. I'm, I'm seeing it. So just some thoughts there. But it, it is interesting. And, and Oda even talked about the reason he liked um, the, the reason the Wizard of Oz is so inspirational for him is because he uh, he says he actually said something kind of interesting in an interview. He doesn't like uh, stories. He doesn't like it when the uh, the purpose of the journey is the journey itself, where like that's like the story is just like the fun along the way kind of a thing. He doesn't like those. He likes it when there's a greater purpose. Like he likes the end goal of the journey, yeah. which is which is kind of weird because One Piece sort of is about the adventures along the way. But at least seven or eight times every episode, Luffy will tell somebody his dream is to become the Pirate King. Yeah. And so that goal is never far from mind. Yeah, exactly. Even though the show is about, like, many different adventures, it's all about them coming closer and closer to achieving their dreams and goals. Yeah. Like, that's never, like, forgotten. That's always at the forefront. Yeah, and each, uh, each island that they go to is just another step towards their goals. Right. And you could see like the plot unfolding uh, through each of the uh, series. For example, um, at the end of Alabasta and Skypea, they uncut, like Robin uncovers another pony glyph. And yeah, yeah. Um, they find that. And then they're like, oh, okay, there, there are these scattered everywhere. And there is this hidden plot that is going on in the background that you don't know about this hidden history and it just is fascinating so yeah it's it's intense it's i mean it's only because the show is so long it doesn't seem like the progress is happening yeah like it's a very subtle like slowly but surely kind of thing like they're always getting closer but yeah. It's such a big world that they're traveling. It really is. It really is such a big world. And uh, it, it really doesn't feel like it until you get to the Water 7 arc, which you're, which you're currently on, which we won't talk about. But once you get there, then it feels like that they're like starting to like be known. And that it is that they are getting closer and closer to like the halfway part. Anyway. But yeah, so that took a little longer but than I intended, but that's kind of some fun fun facts about what inspired Oda to make One Piece. So, so if we're gonna start into the um, go through each of the arcs, so starting with um, the first arc, um, East Blue, which um, is about sixty one episodes. Funnily enough, it aired between uh, October twentieth, nineteen ninety nine through March 20, March 14th, 2001, I have here. Hmm. Um, that arc has like four different ones. Um, yeah, it's we have like the, the first arc that are just introducing our three characters, uh, or introducing our main character and then two others, Luffy, Nami, and Zoro. And you also get Buggy in there as well. Ah, uh, Buggy. Yes. Best clown. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a good character. 
there's a lot of funny funny moments and okay so uh so we have that so we have that that started off we get to meet our main character and i think the first episode is very worth mentioning because um especially the stuff around kobe oh yeah because uh what i love what one thing i love about one piece is that characters and people they never go away i don't think you have noticed it as much yet since you are just in water seven yeah i'm a measly 200 episodes in but uh later on people that you have met here in the east blue arc do come back their stories do get revisited well i think kobe has been revisited once really? so far for me it's just like a quick one episode thing of him in the Navy. yeah 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 you'll see a lot more of him at, um very soon but it's it's fascinating that oda does this that it makes everything feel like it's a world like this world that he made is actually moving there are pieces moving and it's all like moving and working that's why i really enjoy the east blue saga is because it does set up a lot of things even though we don't know that it's being set up until um i want to say like episodes like 500 and like some other ones too like even marineford and stuff like that so it's a it's a, a really interesting thing that oda does that i love that he does with the writing so anyway cool so the other arcs in which ones were there again oh for east yeah. blue so, uh the next one that comes up is usopp's arc i believe yeah what do you think of Usopp? Tell me your opinions on Usopp. So, full disclosure, he's my favorite character. Okay. I, I, I get the feeling that he's a bit more controversial in the larger fandom, but he, like, I, I really like him. He's the most relatable for me, honestly. Yeah, he's kind of like the uh, only like normal guy in a sea of like weirdos, kind of a thing. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's kind of like one of the running gags that like he always brings up. He's like, he's like, I'm the only human in a boat full of monsters. Like he says that all the time. Like yeah. anytime anything like goes crazy, which is true. Because I mean, even though there's like there's several other characters that don't have devil fruit powers, he's definitely like. I mean, I guess, I guess Nami is probably the weakest one overall, maybe. Uh, it, it's it's between it's between her and Usopp, in terms of fighting skill. Yeah, but but Usopp absolutely has like his like clutch moments where he like saves everyone's bacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he may not look like it, like that he has a that he's very like like heroic, but he does have his moments. I think that's why he's so relatable for me. Yeah, is because I think a lot of like the rest of the crew in the show is like very uh very anime, like shown in anime. And the fact that like whenever danger happens, like everybody else is always like, yeah, let's do this. We're gonna fight like a thousand pirates or whatever. This is fine. They're like yeah. they're like down for anything. Like nothing freaks them out. 
And like Usopp's like always like the voice of the reason in the back being like, um, this is a terrible idea or yeah, no, yeah. this is impossible. And he's also just like, but and again, like, so the thing is like, yeah, he's like, he's like mostly a coward, but his personal dream is to become like a brave uh, pirate of the sea. Yeah. And so I think in a lot of ways, his dream is kind of the, the easiest one to see the progress happening on. Because every time he is brave, you can kind of like see him making that step forward and achieving his dream, which is cool. Yeah, it, it is. It is really cool. Like, I think he has a, a lot of the most progress out of everyone, and I've seen and I've watched a lot of it, and it, it really does uh, show he really changes a lot. So we got a. Uh, we got Nami, we got Zoro in the party, and then Usopp. We have his short little arc. And then uh, we go to Baratier. We get Sanji. Good old Sanji. Yeah. And we we get a first discover like how how tough the Grand Line is. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because uh, they they are they're always saying like oh you're gonna go to the Grand Line like it's like crazy in there yeah that's like suicide no yeah, one ever comes suicide. out alive like yeah and then you uh, you finally get to see like um, this big uh, pirate guy that was like most known in the East Blue Don Krieg and he comes and is the basically the Grand Line destroyed him destroyed him and his crew he's like limping back into the east blue with yeah like broke with like one broken ship left and then uh luffy just like looking at that um it's just like okay and then he keeps on going <laughs> yeah he's like he's like pumped he's like oh this place is awesome yes before we uh, move past this arc, we got to talk about uh, Zoro's fight. Oh yes, yes. That that was one thing I was going to talk about too. Is another like a major point in the series uh, was that moment right there. Yes, because uh, you get to see like the power of the Shichibukai and uh, like see the power scale that there is one. This power scale, like, the, of course, the power scale of the uh, the Seven Warlords, Chichibukai, is uh, very uh, up and down. But uh, Hawkeye is probably one of the the toughest ones of them. I think so. That's an intimidating moment. That fight. It really is, and it's uh, it like grounds the uh the characters and like even though Zoro like knows that he's fighting up against this guy and he loses like almost instantly he still yeah. like holds his head up high and is like uh scar on the back is a uh, disgrace or something like that yeah a, a score a scar on a swordsman back is his disgrace I think was yeah. the quote when he loses that and it's just this harrowing moment you can see luffy he's like thinking he's gonna lose a crew member because of this yeah 
then his like tearful response that he's going to become like the greatest swordsman and defeat him one day. Yeah, he vows to never lose again. Yeah, it's a, it's a great moment. That's probably like the first like puts it in perspective kind of episodes. Yeah, that really makes you like fear like like what else are they going to find in the Grand Line that is this bad? Yeah, and the whole like presentation of it too, because like he just like kind of comes floating into the remains of Don Krieg's ship, just like on this like tiny little canoe. It's yep. apparently like being powered by his like sheer will or something. There's like yep. no wars. <laughs> it's it's awesome. Yeah, I think uh, what, what was his name? Hawkeye, you said. Yeah, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah, that's right. I remember now, but um, he. He still has, like, hands down my favorite quote in the entire series up to what I've watched. Um, the moment when he cuts down Zoro and, like, wins the fight. And, like, right as he, like, landing the finish, like, right as he, like, lands the last blow on Zoro, he just looks at him and says, uh, what, what is it? He says, little frog, know this. Oh, no, it's little frog in the well, know this, how big your world is. Yeah. Uh, it's such a cool line. Because it just like sits in and is like, oh, this world is like massive. And there's like these like monstrous characters that are roaming it that are just so powerful. Yeah. Yep. And he is only one of them. Yeah. It's crazy. It really is. And it's, and as you get further on in the series, you just like believe that statement. Like, what, what next will they encounter that's even bigger? Yeah, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Then we finish the Baratier there, get Sanji and the crew. Then uh, they go to the Nami like rebels and like steals their ship. Yeah, goes back to her cool. place. Basically, le tries to leave their crew, but Luffy's having none of it. No, yeah, you don't you don't get to quit the Straw Hats. Yeah. Luffy's like, you're part of my crew, you're going to stay there. Yep. And try as she might, she can't uh, shake him. And then there's this whole thing with uh, Arlong and, their, and her backstory. And um, I think her backstory is really, really sad. I think that's one of the saddest moments in the show. It really is. And it's like a, it's a kind of a double whammy because like you get hit with Sanji's, which is like pretty sad yeah it's like you're already feeling pretty tender and then nami just yeah nami is just rough, rough. Yeah, it's bad so then um luffy's fight with arlong was um different than like the <laughs> previous fight with the uh versus uh don Cree. right yeah I think uh, the fight versus Arlong is him like having more fun, at least a lot more uh, funny moments. Yeah, there's there's some great fights with the Arlong pirates. Like like when he uh, is fighting Arlong and then he sticks his feet into the ground and then <laughs> like does this tries to do this move and then it fails and then he try and then he realizes that he stuck his feet into the ground and he can't get out yeah and then arlong is like you're 
so stupid and then throws him into the water. <laughs> yeah. Or like he uses it, or like Luffy uses the uh, Arlong's teeth that he ripped out as oh, like yeah. uh, tr- as like attacks. <laughs> yeah, he tries to use them like brass knuckles or something, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's so dumb. It really is. And yeah, like looking back, it's crazy, but like like even up to this point, like I was like I'd say Luffy and Zoro really haven't shown like their true skills yet. Yeah. Like Luffy is definitely still playing around, and Zoro up to this point is like always like super handicapped. Like he always like starts a fight like super injured. Yeah. And so you don't like. Which that's actually something I really like about One Piece is the fact that the characters already start off like pretty strong. Because yeah. like Luffy and Luffy and like because Zoro is already like the strongest swordsman in the East Blue, and Luffy is like Luffy. <laughs> yeah he's just absurd too and then like um it feels like after um zoro's fight with mihawk that he's just like incapacitated for a while yeah because like he's still injured when he fought fights uh the octopus guy which is like the only reason that fight was a struggle for him yeah yeah it's it's a then the arlong once the Arlong stuff ended and then Nami like joins the crew officially, that's when um, they get to the end of the East Blue, which is the uh, the low town stuff. Right. Which is probably one of the best uh, arcs in in my opinion. It's very, it's very, very interesting because it sets up a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think it's definitely. It has a lot of foreshadowing. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's really interesting because I think, because I think the episode, like, they, they show up at Logetown. The episode's called, like, this, like, it's like Logetown, the city of beginnings and the city of ends. Yeah. So, like, I've always kind of wondered if that's, like, foreshadowing, like, even, like, for the ending of One Piece, maybe. But I honestly think it will, to be honest. That could be a whole other discussion. Yeah, that's a discussion for when we get to the end. One of my favorite characters is Spoker. Oh, really? And yeah, um, I really enjoyed uh, enjoy his character. Just the like the struggles that he goes through, especially later on. He's mm. a good antagonist. Yeah, he has been interesting. Like, he's only shown up for me a couple of times, so I haven't I don't I haven't seen him enough yet. But yeah. But it's it's interesting when he like tries to come to grip with his own justice and uh, um, same with his assistant Shigi about their oh. own justice as well. Yeah, you could also see that in Alabasta at the end of Alabasta. They uh, are fighting Crocodile and uh, they are like leading the rebellion against Crocodile. But they want to arrest him because he's a pirate, and they have, and he has this bounty on his head. But they're doing what is right and removing, trying to remove Crocodile, who is doing all this bad. Yeah, he's absolutely like corrupt with his power. So it's like they're per, and it comes in at the end that there's this personal like side of justice that they have that's in conflict. Yeah. And that's like 
a huge thing that pops up with the Navy, um, especially in later arcs, is that there there are some people within the Navy that just like are trying to find that sense of justice. Uh, what is their justice? That is something really interesting with like how, uh, like I was surprised how complex, like some of the Navy characters are. Yeah, because the show kind of deceives you a little bit. Because for most of East Blue, the Navy, the Navy characters you meet are kind of scuzzy. Yeah, like they're no good. They're corrupt with their power. They're as bad or worse than the pirates. Yeah, and so you start getting the idea that like, oh, well, maybe the pirates are the good guys in the show, and the Navy's bad. Yeah, Spoker was never really like that when they got interested in. He was just like, I'm going to uh, just put these people in. No, yeah, he, he's like doing his job. Yeah. Not because he's like evil or anything like that. An evil person. It's just like that's what he does is he right. just captures pirates, puts them in jail and stops them from going into the Grand Line. Right, yeah. Anyway, the to, to move on, um, they cross the East Blue and then and into the first part of the Grand Line. Yeah. So, yeah, so they uh once they enter the Baroque or yeah, they enter the uh the Grand Line and thus begins the Baroque Works saga of the series, which yep. is interesting and that's like um with East Blue, like each of the arcs were pretty well self contained. Yeah. Like there's a lot of like shorter arcs they were like you know, five or six episodes tops and told like its own complete story and then moved on. And then from this point on, the arcs get much, much longer. Yeah, they do. With this one, they they cross the Grand Line and almost immediately they come across uh, these kind of these mysterious characters and they're kind of like up to some shady, weird stuff, but they kind of like and they kind of like move on past that. They land in their very first city in the Grand Line, which is called something. I think it was Rogue Town. Wasn't it Rogue Town? Yeah, Rogue Town. That sounds right. Because yeah, because Rogue Town after Logue Town, it was. I think there was a pun there, probably. But yeah, I have to look it up. They come to Rogue Town. It's just a super happy town. They're like, hey, yeah, we love pirates here. Come party with us. Nothing weird here. Don't don't mind the cactus mountain covered in tombstones. That's just normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, long story short, they discover that there's this there's this weird organization in this part of the Grand Line, and they're trying to take over this kingdom called Alabasta for some unknown purpose. And they come across a woman who ends up being the princess. It, like she needs to she needs some way to get back home to Alabasta before it's too late and uh, Luffy lets her uh, ride their ship basically yeah they uh, kind of proceed on and as they're going they come across uh, many other characters of ill repute including a mysterious woman who has way too many hands one that I would, uh, uh, the next arc, 
I believe was uh, Little Garden, right? Yeah, yeah, Little Garden was right before what's his name, so. Yeah, I, I do want to make note of this one. Uh, Little Garden was a really, really, really good arc in my opinion. Okay. It, it set up a lot of stuff, it, but it also developed Usopp's character. That is true. Because that's when Usopp gets the goal in mind that he wants to be, uh, as well as a warrior of the sea, he wants to be a warrior like the warriors of Elbath. Okay, yeah. He wants to be like those people. It really gives him like the drive to like strive to become something even more because he sees these like giant warriors that are fighting against each other for years he's like i want to be like that person just the amount of like dedication towards their goals and stuff like that and then you also just get introduced to mr three as well Oh, right. One of the first higher tiered members of the uh, Baroque Works. Right, he makes his debut. Yeah. So yeah, that was a good arc. That was a good yeah, arc. so they, uh, so that all happens. They manage to, they uh, escape Little Garden and are able to go on. And I think from Little Garden, it's the Snow Kingdom, right? That's the next it's place they chopper, land. Chopper, yeah. Yeah, so they... They land in this king. They land in a kingdom in the snow, and that's where they meet Chopper. After a lot of back and forth, in which Chopper is really torn in a, what he wants to do, he decides to join the crew because he wants to become not only a doctor, but he wants to become a doctor that can heal any kind of disease. He wants to be able to save anyone and everyone, kind of a thing. Yeah. Then his backstory is. Uh... I'd say the most tragic out of almost all of them. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, they, they get sadder and sadder, it seems like. So I don't know yeah. if Nico gets any happier, honestly. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to Nico Robin in a second. But uh, uh, Choppers, Choppers is just, it's just so heartbreaking. It. I think I actually teared up a little bit with yeah. uh, with some of it. Just because Chopper has a hard childhood. Like, I mean, without getting, like, too spoilery, he he has a really hard childhood. And he has, like, very strong reasons for wanting to become a doctor. Yeah, it's, uh, it it is, uh, as well for me, one of the few times that I've teared up on a, on an episode. Yeah, One Piece has those. Like, a lot of backstories kind of Get your eyes a little moist like yeah there's uh there's that moment in thriller bark for me and then there's like a couple moments in uh in a lobby and water mm. seven okay so. so chopper ends up joining the crew and they proceed yeah i think do they are there any other islands before they get to nope Alabasta. Uh, they get they get Chopper and then they are in Alabasta. Yeah, so they finally reach Alabasta, which is where Vivi. Vivi, yes. Like, yeah. Like... Where the princess is. Yeah, so they reach Alabasta, where Vivi, uh, Princess Vivi, needed to get to, 
and they arrive just in time for the country to be like exploding with civil war. Yeah. And grand time to make an entrance. Yeah. <laughs> they get there just in time to find out that basically the country is tearing itself apart because of a drought which has been like just dis- like a- destroying the kingdom. There's been like nonstop like sandstorms and no water and just bad times. Everybody's fighting each other, blaming each other for this and that. And uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of other stuff out there that are the reasons behind that, but but we won't go into that. That's a yeah. There's a lot that's happening. <laughs> too deep. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Your feet can't touch the bottom anymore, so it's no good. Uh, we we also uh, meet Ace there too. That's true. Ace is introduced. Well, they're uh, mid journey, which is Luffy's brother. Yeah, I guess older brother. I assume. Yep, older brother. Yeah, it's it's a really, it's really bizarre because at least for me, there was never there hasn't been context yet. He just kind of showed up and left pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. It just is basically just kind of like it introduces a little bit more about Luffy and his backstory. Um, it introduces Ace, who I assume is going to be important later. Yeah. Yeah, so they end up Yeah, we get going through Alabasta. Yeah, they they do a whole bunch of nonsense happens. They figured out that the source of the problem is one of the Shichibukai, a crocodile, who has been subverting the country for his own nefarious purposes. And I would say he's also the first real fight that Luffy has. Yes. Like, this is the first time where, like, Luffy actually has to struggle in order to win. He has to, like, yeah. adapt and overcome. Like, he loses twice. He does. Really? He essentially dies both of those times, too. Like, I don't know how many lives he gets in the show, but he, he, lo- he loses two of them to Crocodile. Yeah. He, he really struggled with that. Yeah, so, because Crocodile is super OP and Oda wouldn't nerf him so I think Crocodile was Logia I don't know he's Logia because he has the sand sand fruit or whatever yeah he can turn his whole body to sand so the only way you could like anyway yeah he's very tough but he does eventually everything's resolved and that's when a smoker and Tashigi show up just in time, they kind of come in the tail end of this this whole fiasco. You know, they just in time to see that uh, Crocodile was the one behind it all. Essentially, one of the... Uh, I mean, what is... Because the, the Seven Warlords, they're... What are they, licensed or something by the government? What's their thing? The Seven Warlords are like... They're like legal pirates. Yeah, legal pirates that work for the government, work for the Navy. Yeah, so... And uh, they make... they The Navy, like, knows, like, um, that these pirates can't, like, are way too strong, and they, they need to control them. So they let... If they join them, then they could, like, roam around without really any... Without any repercussions. Yeah, they have like 
certain restrictions and where they can go and what they can do but yeah and they uh uh have to go wherever the navy tells them and stuff like that basically just a navy employee anyway crocodile was supposed to be kind of watching over alabasta's region and he sucked at it he was not doing what he was supposed to yeah he was uh trying to one of his main goals was to find uh i think it was pluton the uh yes the ancient one of those yeah 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 that's why he had robin with him and uh kind of like why he was getting into alabasta was trying to find that that's right so he had his own goals yeah so he had reasons for what he was doing and that, there, there was also reasons for why uh, Nico Robin was helping him initially. She has a vested interest in finding said stones as well. Although a slightly different stone, I think, specifically. Yeah, so they beat Crocodile. Um, Smoker and Tashigi have a conflict of conscience, essentially, since... Yeah, like I was saying before. Yeah, kind of what was happening with what you said before. And then... Uh, Luffy and friends get out of Dodge because they are super wanted pirates and the Navy is all over the place now. Yep. So they get out of there. Basically, Robin like sneaks onto the ship. Even though everyone's against it, Luffy is like, yeah, sure. You can you can stay here. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> so as much thought as Luffy ever puts in anything. Yeah, everyone's against it, but uh, but Luffy's just like, yeah, sure. So yeah, you're not currently punching me, so yeah, we're friends. <laughs> and uh, actually, my favorite character in the entire show is Robin. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because I, I guess I don't... Because like, even... Cause she's been in the show for like 100 episodes now for me, and I still don't know much about her. She's very reserved. You but... will soon... Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting flavors of it because now there's an ice giant after her, but at least where I am. Yeah, the the entire Water Seven and Islamic arc is basically her arc. That's why I like. Okay. It. Fair enough. So I guess I'll I'll start learning things soon about her. I guess do you want to talk about her then a little bit since you probably. Yeah, she's their archaeologist, and you learn a bit more about her in uh, in Skypea, but not very much. Yeah, you learn some of her motivations anyway. Yeah. And uh, her, like, goal is to, like, get to find the Rio Ponyglyph, which is, yes. like, the uh, the one true Ponyglyph that has, like, the, the history of the world, the hidden history of the world. Yeah, from some, like, long-lost period of time. Like, yeah, it's still very vague for... For where for you're my at, knowledge yeah. but yeah uh once they finish the alabasta and then they get on the crew that's when they hit skypia yep and they hit jaya first and then learn about city in the sky and of course luffy's like we're going there no matter what oh yeah <laughs> even though everyone in jaya is like it either doesn't exist or it will kill you like those are the two options, and Luffy's like, "No, yeah, we're going anyway." During this Jaya period, we get information on probably one of the biggest antagonists of the game, and 
that they gave of the anime of the show. Yeah, uh, Blackbeard. Oh, well, spoilers. That's not that much of a spoiler. Uh, Well, where you're where you're at, but it's it's really huge later on. So you have to. I have to touch on it. Yeah, I mean, he had some ominous music behind him, so I'm assuming he's going to be important. Like, yeah, I won't say the reasons why, but we'll just make a note that that was this is where he was introduced. Yeah, so he was introduced, and also Don Flamenco was introduced, or Don Flamingo. Yep. And he's and, he's also yep. a fairly big deal. Jaya also has that that really cool uh, current thing that, like, uh, The knock-up stream. The knock-up stream thing. That was really cool. Yeah, that's actually... That's something I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit, because that's it's a great example of how Oda always explains the how or at least like he you like eventually he will explain the how and the why of things yeah and like the scientific explanation for like how the knockup string work stream works is fascinating yeah like how it was like a like a different plates underneath the ground that like build up pressure and the pressure yeah. is so immense that it just like uh just explodes out yeah, because like the whole area is like a bunch of like really small tectonic plates are like constantly like overlapping each other. Yeah, and so like these like pockets of like superheated uh, water get trapped, and will eventually like blow through. Yeah, they, it creates like this like massive current of water that like shoots straight up into the sky. And I mean, and that's I mean, how they get up. Yeah, they. Uh, Luffy's like, yeah, we we could totally ride that. That uh, <laughs> that tornado of water, and then they do it. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's really cool. And they get up there. That's an epic moment, I'll admit. Like when it they really ride is. the knockup stream, it's absurd. And then they get up there, and it's like this whole new world spirit of them. Yeah, it's it's a whole new world. It's the whole arc from that point on is is very surreal yeah like, like oda does a really good job of just making it like such a thoroughly different place from what the viewer has experienced up to that point it's a whole different type of storytelling it's mostly like just the uh just world building for a while yeah like you get to know that there's like a different currency there get to the shell stuff uh, the fact that they have this religion too. Yeah. Yeah. Then you find out like there's like a piece of like ground there up there too that has mysteriously gotten up. Yeah. That they treat as like sacred land. Yeah, because it's it's completely different from anything they've ever seen. Yeah. So it's fascinating. Like in like the highest levels of Sky Pier, like they call it Ten Goku, which is heaven, and everybody keeps talking about how like God lives on the sacred ground like the the i think they call it verth yeah and so it's like what the heck is this place like you know they're like in heaven and like god is like right over across the street apparently and yeah it's it's just like so that's so wild and of course luffy's like oh we got to go meet god <laughs> how many times is that opportunity going to come up something to make a note of as well just a little note here 
Uh, you, you won't really know much until uh, you get a little bit further, but this is kind of like the first instance in the show that there is a allusion to hockey. And hockey is uh, just a fighting style that is present in the end game of One Piece. Okay. But it's kind of alluded at here. And um, I think it's connected in some way because uh, their mantra or whatever is very similar to what hockey becomes later. Yeah, I was wondering about that because I think, because I feel like I, I saw the word hockey come up at some point in the dialogue. Yeah. Like somebody described it that way. Yeah, they called it the mantra. And at least early on, it really added to the mythos of these, like, of, like, they're actually, like, fighting, like, angels and God. Yeah, yeah. Because they can predict their movements before they do anything. Yes, exactly. And it's, like, this whole other level of, like, what is happening here? Yes, that's a, that's a really good note there, is that it's not, he doesn't call it hockey there, but I, I think that's what it was. Yeah, it, maybe it came up in, like, the comment section or something, because I... Yeah. One piece is full of spoilers in the comments. I need to avoid it better. But. Yeah, you do. So uh, they get through Skypea about, and uh, there is they fight God or whatever. Eneru. Yeah, they fight God Eneru. And that's their. Or that's a really cool fight. NL. NL. Yeah. I actually kind of wonder if it is NL because that'd be a really interesting allusion to uh, I think Hebrew. That'd be the one of the Hebrew variations for the word God. So, I think that uh, that dub says NL. I'm not yeah. sure though. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, I can't remember. I didn't. This is a full disclosure again because I like to disclose things. <laughs> I don't know why I say that. <laughs> Skypea. I originally I started watching this dubbed way back in the day, and Skypea was the arc that made me quit One Piece originally. Because I thought it was super boring and weird. Yeah. Because, I mean, Skypea is a very different arc compared to the rest of the series, at least up to that point. Like, it really slowed down on fighting and went to more, like, world-building kind of stuff for a lot of it. And since I was, like, 13 or 14, and I just wanted to see Luffy punch things, I got really bored. And I kind of dropped yeah. the show for a number of years at this point, but... I did come back to it. I'm surprised that you stopped in Skypea. Because I felt like it had some good fights. Like, uh, um, once they get to the, like, trials or whatever. Oh, for sure. I mean, once it got to the trials, it was good. Um, well, I mean, also, I think something else that kind of that turned me off early on was just, uh, I think this arc more than like because like even with the alabasta arc like they're they go to several other places before they go to alabasta even though there's like the overarching story of the arc but for this arc they spend the whole time just in skypea and so i got i got really a uh, kind of geographically bored with it yeah it's true it, it's as a kid i was watching one episode a week and so you have to understand they were in that forest for a year from my perspective that is true that is true if you would like compared it to alabasta you were getting like 
a couple different islands before you even got to Alabaston. Yeah, so like, and that just, yeah, it just made it a lot more platable. And, and I mean, and that's just, that was just like the nature of, like, if, if I could have uh, binged One Piece back then, I think I would have loved the arc a lot more. Yeah. But because I was stuck with, like, I could only watch it through Toonami, just like one episode a week, it just really made it feel like nothing was happening. Like, it just, everything was taking way too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you there. So, we we get to the Skypea ends, and then they come back down. There isn't really much to make note of in Skypea, uh, besides the slight introduction of hockey into the, the series, but it, I think it was a good arc. I, I definitely I appreciate it a lot more this time. I think it's still not my favorite one. So like of the three I've seen so far, like the three major sagas. Yeah. But I appreciate it a lot more, and just the the payoff of the fight between uh, Luffy and Anadu. Like that's such a great fight. It is. Like it really makes like everything else just like just like it's like worth the wait kind of a thing. Yeah, and like the sense of scale in that fight too is really cool. Like like how he uh they're like fighting like up in the air, up in the sky, and then Luffy keeps on falling down. Yeah. It's that uh he gets that gold on his arm, that gold ball. Yeah, and uh, he has to lug that around as he's trying to climb back up to to fight Enaru, but he keeps on like pushing him back down. Yeah, it's it's great, and I I forgot. I really wanted to talk about some puns, but I forgot to. It's fine at this point; we won't go back to him. But I just have to say that the whole time that um, Luffy has that gold ball on his arm, he calls it. He keeps referring to it as Kintama the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. the best because Nami gets so mad at him every time he says King Tama, <laughs> yeah. which does not translate at all to Eng- English. But uh, King Tama, it literally means gold ball, but the slang uh, translation in Japanese is testicle. It's, it's hilarious. It's fantastic, especially when he tells Nami to hold on to it when they're like climbing back <laughs> up. And she gets uh, super offended. <laughs> Oda and his puns, you like those? The puns in One Piece are my favorite. Maybe maybe some other time we'll do like an in-depth look at the puns because there are so many and they're so wonderful. You just really like puns. Like I, with like the like... show and like Monogatari. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Monogatari has so much of it. Don't get me started on Monogatari. They're they're fantastic for wordplay too. I'm sure we'll talk about that one. Oh yeah, we definitely. Anywho, so yeah, that's one piece up until Skypeia. Yeah, it's a. It's a long, long thing. It's it's a long series, but it's it's consistently excellent, in my opinion. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Though, in my opinion. There are certain points in in One Piece where the anime is not very well done. Hmm. The anime sometimes captures uh, 
the epicness and scale and pace correctly, but a lot of times it's very sluggish when you're watching it. That I agree with. That does kind of go back to my uh, my original problem with Skypea. Yeah. How long it took for things to happen. Yeah, that's why, like, for me, like, past the uh, past Enislav, past maybe Thriller Bark, I don't like watching the anime as much mm. because the pace is, gets really bad. Okay. And it becomes unbearable at times. I, I think it's a really great series, really great. I just wish it didn't take its time trying to get to the place and wouldn't like kind of like stretch out episodes. Mm. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. When you when you like try and read the manga, that's when you like feel like you can't go back. Mm. Um, because once you start reading the manga, it's like this is so good. No. Right, sure. Yeah, I I have not read the manga at all, actually. That's sort of been on my to-do list. Yeah. Because I've heard it's really well done. Is that, like, where like where do you find that? Is that just you have to, like, Google it? or? You can go to, uh, if you have the Viz membership, you can uh, get the, uh, read the entire thing. Okay. That Viz manga thing. Okay. They have, they have the membership, and then you can walk, read the entire series. Okay. I might do that, because... I prefer doing it legally when I can. Yeah. Especially if it's a quality thing. Like, I haven't read the manga in ages. Last time I read the manga was uh, during Marineford, and that was such a treat to read weekly. It was like a heart attack every, every <laughs> week reading that. And then like once it was over, like I stopped for some reason. Mm. Anyway, that's our uh, that's our deep dive into the first couple arcs of One Piece. Yeah, this is One Piece Part One. Yeah, One Piece Part One. We'll probably have another uh, once. Uh, I'd say once you finish Marineford and you get to the time skip, that's when okay. we'll we'll do another episode. Cool. So uh, same time next year, guys. Same time next year. More One Piece next September, <laughs> maybe sooner. I don't know. That's a lot. Jeez. Yeah, that's that's uh, it's like three. A lot of episodes. episodes. It really is. It really is three hundred episodes. It took me a year to get to the as many as I've watched now. So, well, we'll see. Anyway, do you want to close out? Yeah, I uh, I can do that. All right. So, if any of you all uh, managed to make it to the very end of this. Congratulations. I assume you love One Piece as much as we do. I don't know if you uh, thought of a question for the day, but I thought of one. Oh, and I forgot about question of the day. Yeah, if you have one, go for it. But I'd say the question would be, uh, what is your favorite moment from the uh, first couple arcs of, the, of One Piece that we talked about? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. So, yeah, if uh, any of you out there have watched One Piece, enjoy One Piece... Uh, let us know what your favorite moment is or maybe a favorite character or something like whatever like your favorite thing about One Piece is. What do you like about it? And there are several ways 
uh, that you can tell us if you are so inclined. You could tweet us on Twitter at Deep Anime Dive. If you don't, if you're not much of a tweeter, you could just send us an email at deepanimedive at gmail.com. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely read it. We'll uh, respond even if you'd like. Yep. Have a discourse. Where can they find you, sweet? So, I did finish getting a my anime list set up. If you're so inclined, you can find me on my anime list. My uh, my username is Gray Suede because that's my name and my favorite color. I'm creative like that. Nice. And where can they find you, Chris? Find me also on my anime list. Uh, my anime list uh, with uh, Aria Machi. If you are also so inclined, you can find me on Final Fantasy XIV Mateus server, uh, Crystal Data Center, um, Zyga Heart, and I'm on there 24-7. That is not an exaggeration. <laughs> I think you've been on it even as we talk. Yes. In fact, same with last last. <laughs> You multitasking son of a gun. Right. <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> I, I'm only doing one thing. I can barely keep my brain on. I don't know what you're. You're whatever. It's fine. I, I did have it off. I did have it off for a while during that though. Fair enough. Because I thought my, me being on the game was the source of your uh, your revived voice, but when I found out it wasn't, you just didn't care. I just didn't care. Just tuned out to whatever I was blabbing about. <laughs> no, no, no. I love One Piece. One Piece is a great show. I, I just wish it wasn't so long. It does take its sweet time. That is a problem. But all right. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening, and uh, we will see you in the next next exciting installment of Deep Anime Dive. Yes, we'll see you then. Farewell. Bye-bye.